0: So here's the deal. Tonight we're, uh, in case you couldn't figure out from the uh, video, we're talking about uh, two-facedness. You're like, what are you talking about, two-facedness? We all know what it means to be a poser, don't we? Everybody know what it means to be a poser? It's okay, you can be, we're at church, it's okay to be honest. Like my family was when I was a little kid. No joke, uh, five kids in my family, second boy from the top, which means that I was tough enough to pummel my older sister but not allowed to lay a finger on her. (laughs) My younger sister, very innocent. Oh, you know, Heather would never do anything wrong. Uh, Super innocent. But let me tell you, on Sunday morning, um, my family were like the world-class posers. Let me tell you. Like, when we were getting ready for church, number one, we were always in trouble. We were always fighting. People were yelling. My mom was furious. People were arguing. I was in trouble every time. My sister, crazy, yelling at everybody. And I'm telling you what, all the way to church, by the time we got into the parking lot, it was like a three-ring circus, man, WWF style. Are you ready to rumble? You know, like we're in there just duking it out in the car like I was hitting that donkey earlier. <laughs> That's the way I was hitting. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't hit my sister. Just kidding. No, we get in the parking lot, though. Hey, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. We pull up, and we get out of the car, and something happens like this rapid transformation like you step out of the car to church and my family became the sweetest most all-american wonderful family in the world (laughs) and my sister who uh moments ago nay seconds ago was trying to rip my hair from my scalp is now the lovely older sister oh this is my little brother jeremiah (laughs) he's so great my mom who had just yelled herself hoarse, was like you know, the creatures meet her at the door. Oh, good morning. How are you? Oh, we're great. <laughs> Aren't my kids so cute, all dressed and all looking exactly? It's wonderful. I love it. Man, we were like the world's greatest posers. Yeah, buddy, we all, we all know what it means to pose, don't we? Anybody in the room, and it's just be honest. Come on, you can be honest with me. I'm not going to call your mama. Anybody in the room got a MySpace or a Facebook? Yeah, of course, we all do. Not wrong to have MySpace or uh, Facebook, but now I'm a little less honest. You know, don't yell out their name, but any of you have those friends who like, they're like super clean cut, cool, pretty conservative. At school, they don't get in trouble, they don't drink, they don't do drugs, they're pretty just clean cut. But yet on their MySpace page, although they're only 14, and a girl with blonde hair and pretty short, she's like washing her parents' sedan, like (sighs) throwing her hair back, Water all over, you know, like, like the naughty wet T-shirt contest of the century or something. <laughs> and you're like, "Whoa! Look at Susie on her MySpace. That's crazy." The wet T-shirt, con- no, I'm just kidding. Or maybe it's like the guys. I know you've seen it because you're teenagers. You've been on MySpace. You've been on Facebook. Who, who? Okay, be honest, guys. Don't tell me if this is you, please. <laughs> but that's okay. I know some of you have. That friend who's a guy, he's, he's a good guy. Like he's a guy that if something was going wrong, you could go and you could share with him. He's like that cool, nice guy who would still help you out if something was going wrong. He would defend you. He would protect you. But he's also the same guy who on MySpace <laughs> has the picture of himself in the mirror, like naked, like posing, like. Excuse me while I flex in my mirror. <laughs> the paparazzi emailed me these pictures. <laughs> they, they jumped through my chimney, came through, stuck into my bedroom, and snapshots of me in the mirror without me knowing it, and posted these on my MySpace account. It's crazy, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, but, I mean, we all, we all, <laughs> So, One girl just lost control. <laughs> she's sitting next to the guy who does that. And she's like, oh. she's like cracking up. She thinks it's funny. All right, it's getting to that point where my wife tells me that it hits a certain point where I laugh more at myself than anyone else laughs at me. <laughs> I think I've hit that point. Everyone's like, all right, shut up, dude. <laughs> it's cool, man. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> no, but but the reality is, all right. Coming back to me all right real quick I hate to do this because the people who edit this message and then they podcast it are gonna hate me but if you have a cell phone could you just turn that off out of respect for God and his word and his people I just believe that God wants to wants to throw down a word tonight he wants to teach you something and if you're distracted or your cell phone rings or you're texting that ain't gonna cut it so here's the deal we're all two-faced at one time or another And uh, some of you probably heard this word from me, and I'm going to go ahead and say it again because it's a word that I'm going to use all the time. The word is compartmentalization. Everyone say that. Compartmentalization. Let's try it again. Compartmentalization. Compartmentalization. Okay. That word is made up. It's not real. (laughs) No. Compartmentalism is a medical term. Compartmentalization. Mmm. That dude does his English work, let me tell you. So here's the deal, though. This word is a word that is, that is made up, but it's pulled from real, real words. And what that means is the ability of our generation, of this generation of people, to have, like, different lives all over the place. Does that make sense? Like, we are one person on MySpace, a different person when we're at church, a different person when we're at school, so that's that word. So just remember that word. All right, now I want to tell you a personal story. I already told you one about my family on Sunday morning pretty embarrassing stuff, but really it's not because every one of you probably had the same experience, (laughs) but um, here's a story that cuts me deep, and if I get mad and like throw this speaker off the stage, just forgive me for my anger, Um, I call this story Two-Faced Tony Amasoni, Two-Faced Tony Amasoni, Amasoni is Tony's last name, now Tony Amasoni was this huge and I mean huge, like I'm not a small dude, but packed together like four of me, and that is Tony Amasoni. this huge Hawaiian dude, henceforth the name Amasoni. Now Tony Amasoni was this great speaker, and this guy, uh, man, he would go and he would speak all over the country, and the thing that he would do is he would speak at football camps. So I went and I was speaking at a football camp one time, at this very well-known camp, so I was like one of a couple of speakers. Now this Tony Amasoni was like the speaker, you know? Like I'm speaking on Tuesday night when everyone's sleeping. <laughs> Tony's speaking on Friday night when everyone's wide awake and listening. Um, so this guy, Tony, this great speaker at this camp. And I just thought, man, that's a cool guy. And you know what? For whatever reason, Tony and I kind of hit it off. So Tony and I, we're hanging out, man. He's, he's telling me about his college football days. I'm telling him about my college football days. I'm, t- I'm bragging about my fiance, which is now my wife Tessa, give her a hand because she's beautiful. Exactly. So I'm telling him about my fiance Tessa, and he's telling me about his brand new wife, his brand new wife who was this cool lady, and she was there, and she was Hawaiian. I met her. So I'm getting to know this Tony guy, and this Tony guy goes, Whoa, you're about to get married, dude. What are you going to do for your honeymoon? I said, Well, you know, I'm kind of (laughs) poor. He laughed in his big Hawaiian body. I said, well, but that's okay, though. Tessa loves me. She's not going to care, you know. But I said, you know what I want to do for her? I want to do something so special. I want to go to Hawaii just for a couple days because I've always wanted to go. I know that she would like to go. It'll be so much fun. So I'm planning this trip to Hawaii, and we're like seven months out from our wedding. So I have saved every penny. I have, oh, if you see the ring on her finger. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I saved all my money, and I'm... I'm getting ready to buy these tickets online, and they're a super good deal, but I'm nervous. You know, I just want it to be perfect. You know, it's your honeymoon. It's once in a lifetime I want it to be awesome. Uh, So Tony goes, dude, I'm from Hawaii. Obviously, I'm a huge Hawaiian dude. (laughs) I grew up there. My family still lives there. All my friends are there. My my old church is there. The church that I come from is there. I know everybody in the islands. He said, I'll tell you what I want to do for you. You're a great young man. You're a cool young dude. I'm gonna hook you up. He said, I know, I know the guy who manages the nicest hotel in Maui. I said, Woo, that's awesome. He said, You know what? I can get you a cutthroat deal to this hotel. And man, he had me all set up and I was worried and I'm like, Man, I can't do that. I just met you. You're so nice to do that for me, but trying to be humble, posing like a humble person, I'm like, Hey man, Tony, don't worry about it, dude. That's so nice of you, but it's okay. I've been saving my money. I'm I'm good to go. I'm about to book the trip. He said, man, don't let your pride get in your way. Don't be a loser. I'm like, oh, that kind of hurts. Stepped on my toes a little bit, Tony, and you're big. That hurts. (laughs) No, so Tony, he calls me back a couple weeks later. I've just gotten to know this guy, and he says, look, I think you're being silly, Jeremiah. He said, I think you're being silly. You should let me help you out. Dude, I can get you to Hawaii for so much cheaper. I can get you the tickets for very cheap. I can get you your hotel, the nicest hotel in Maui, for, for so cheap, you won't even believe it. And you know, I, I kind of prayed about it. And I'm like, well, should I do this? Maybe I am being prideful. So I called big Tony back and said, hey, Tony, I'm a Sony. I'll do it, man. He said, okay, cool, just send me your money. I said, all right, I'll do it. I sent Tony my money six months before my wedding. One month goes by. Don't hear back from Tony. One more month goes by, I'm like, "Ah, it's okay, he's Hawaiian, it takes them a while, you know, it takes people from Hawaii, it takes them a while. Another month goes by, three months until my wedding, I'm starting to sweat a little bit, like, whoo, can't find Tony, can't find him in the white pages, whoo, struggling, searching for him on the internet, cannot find Tony anywhere. Two months before my wedding, still trying to call Tony, whoo, can't find him anywhere. One month before my wedding, (laughs) one month before my wedding. I finally get a hold of the guy who hired Tony to speak at the same camp that he hired me to speak at. Hey, what's up, Sam? He's like, hey, what's up, Jeremiah, how you doing? Great, man. Can you tell me where Tony Almasoni is? And you could hear his face drop on the phone. He said, man, Jeremiah, you'll never believe. Tony Almasoni has been arrested. He's in prison. I said, he's what? Where's that big Hawaiian guy? He's in prison. For what? I said, oh, don't tell me, Sam. He's in prison for fraud, isn't he? They said, yeah, he's in prison for fraud. Oh, Sam, are you kidding me? It turns out that Tony was the biggest two-faced poser in the world. Posing to be a pastor, posing to be a preacher, posing to be a righteous, godly dude. And this guy, Tony, not only did he take $3,500 of my cash money that I had saved and poured blood over to purchase a honeymoon with, but he had also taken his poor wife, who he was a newlywed with, for $62,000 of her life savings, every penny she had. And I called her on the phone right after I got off the phone with Sam and said, this is Jeremiah. She started to cry. She started to cry because Tony had told her, Hey, I'm getting Jeremiah this great trip. It's going to be awesome. I'm taking care of him. She said, Jeremiah, with tears in her, in her throat and just crying, she said, He's taking me for every penny $62,000 of life savings. Just gone, gone. And instantly, instantly, I realized that I had been taken by Two Faced Tony Amasoni, the biggest poser and Two Faced man in the world. But the reality is that it took a lesson like this to sort of teach me, to sort of teach me the damaged, the damage that a two, living a two-faced lifestyle can bring into one's life. The fallen people along the way, the hurt family members, the destroyed relationships that living a two-faced lifestyle can bring into, into your life. So tonight I want to open God's word. Very good, Matthew twenty three, and it'll be on the screen. You know, Jesus, uh, being God's son, perfect, holy, righteous in every way, he had a lot to say about being two faced. In fact, Jesus runs across some two faced dudes in Matthew twenty three. Listen what he says. This is brutal. Oh, you know, Jesus is he is furious. Let me tell you right now, Jesus was no wimp. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. He says, but do not do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. And Jesus said, watch out, man. Watch out. Don't become two-faced like the very people who are trying to teach you, the very people who are trying to tell you how to live and how to be and who to be. Don't become two-faced like them. He's just getting started. He says, uh, man, I just want to roll through. We're not, these won't be on the screen. I'm not going to read them all. But he says in verse 5, Jesus himself says, Everything they do is done for men to see. Everything they do is done for men to see. These guys are so two-faced. They claim to be servants of the one true, perfect, holy God. But the reality is they're serving no one, no one. They're serving no God. Because everything they do is so that the people around them might see what they're doing. The reality is that Jesus said, These dudes are two faced, phonies and fakes. He goes on to say in verse 13, He says, Woe, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you actors, you fakers, you two faced liars. He goes on to say in 16, He says, Woe to you blind guides. Woe to you blind people. You claim to be guiding people somewhere, but you're blind. You have no idea what you're doing. He says in verse 23, it gets better you. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Ooh, he keeps going back to that. He says, woe. He uses Pharisee like it's a curse word. Woe to you liars and you cheaters and you two-faced supposed followers of God. You hypocrites, you fakers, you actors. He says in verse 25, Woe to you teachers of the laws and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Verse 26, blind Pharisee. You clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. He goes on to say in 27, woe to you teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, as if he hasn't said it 50 times. Insulting them. Man, he says, you whitewashed, you were like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything that's unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous But on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You know, I read these verses and I just wonder, man, this was 2,000 years ago, but it sounds faintly familiar. Because I believe that if Jesus could be here today, if he could stand in my shoes, in my place, on this stage, he would say, Woe to you, this generation who lives a compartmentalized lifestyle. Woe to you, the generation who, on your lips, when you're in church, you claim to love me, but your heart couldn't be further from me. I believe he would say, woe to you, you MySpace generation, who when you come to church, you appear to love God, but when you get on MySpace, you're the biggest hellraiser there is. I believe that he would say, and this one hurts my heart, I believe he would say, I'm disgusted. <laughs> I'm disgusted because the bulk of my people, the people who claim me as, as the Lord of their life, the people who claim to follow me, their hearts are so far from me. They look like good Christian people, but when push comes to shove, they are living different lifestyles in school than they are at Beecher Tree." They're living different lifestyles on the internet than they are when they're at home. They're living different lifestyles when they're with one group of friends as opposed to another group of friends. I believe that he would just straight up cast us down. He would be furious. Because we, we have become a generation who our lips talk kindly of our Lord and Savior, but our lifestyle is so far from what he expects from us. A couple more verses I want to read you. Psalms 8611. This is David talking. Let me tell you about David. Nobody ever made more mistakes than David did. Nobody. Nobody ever made more mistakes than David, but let me tell you, he loved God. And God spoke through him. Listen to what he says, Psalms 86, 11. He says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart. Give me an undivided heart. My challenge to you this evening, students, is let's cut through the bull. Let's cut through it. If you know that in your life that you are living like a two-faced, phony Tony Amasoni, it's time for you to pray this same prayer and say, God, give me an undivided heart. Because a house, a house that's divided will not stand. God will not work through you. If you continue to live a life posing to be a Christian, but really living like a heathen, it won't work. Trust me. Ezekiel eleven seventeen to 19. Another great verse. Therefore, say to the people in Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you, the Israelites, from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you've been scattered. And I will give you back the land of Israel again. God speaks to the Israelites who've been wandering in the wilderness, who've gone astray, who've seen great miracles and great things, but then have left God and gone their own way and dispersed all throughout the wilderness. He says, they will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. They're gonna stop being two-faced. And he said, I will give them an undivided heart and I'll put a new spirit in them. Young people, make no mistake about it, our God is willing. And if you're here tonight and you would admit it, you would be honest. I'm the biggest two-faced person in here. Well, good for you, first of all. But God says, you know what? If you find that you've wandered away from me, if you find that you've been living in the wilderness, that you've been posing like a follower of mine, and you want to come back, guess what? I'll give you an undivided heart. In fact, it goes on to say, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Don't, don't, please, don't think that this message is not for you. You see, what we do, what I've done, what I did when I was your age, is I sat in church and went, Ooh, that is a tough message for that dude sitting three people over. <laughs> He's struggling right now. Ooh, two-faced, let me tell you. Saw him drinking the other night. Don't do that. This isn't about him. This isn't about her. This is about you. God said if you... If you will turn over those parts of your life to Him, He will take your heart of stone that's far from Him, that's caused you to wonder, and He'll replace it with a heart that feels His presence. Our God wants to do that for you. Isn't that awesome? The reality is that whether you've been living as a two faced follower of Christ, or you would admit and you would be honest and you would say, you know what? I don't know Christ. Well, don't make the mistake of thinking, hey, I'm not a Christian. This is for all you Christians. Hey, y'all who are living two-faced, stop being two-faced. You're wrong. This is for the unbeliever, too. This is for the person who says, I don't know Jesus Christ. I haven't given my life to him. This is for you, too. Because the reality is that God wants a relationship with you. And if you would sit here this morning, you would say, I believe there's a God. I believe it. I believe in Jesus. I just haven't really made him the Lord of my life. I haven't trusted him. Well, who are you kidding? You're just as two-faced as the rest of us. Because you think that you're your own God. You think, hey, it's okay. I don't, need, I don't need Jesus Christ to save me from my sin. I'm my own God. Don't believe that. It's not true. It's not true. You're just as two-faced as the rest of us. Because you need Jesus Christ to save you from your sin. And if you believe in God, then it's time for you to take the the step. It's time for you to step out and say, God, take this heart of stone that's been wandering far from you, this heart of stone that rejects you, this heart of stone that wants nothing to do with you. Take it from me and give me a heart that feels, a heart that believes, a heart that knows you. God, speak to me. And I'll finish it out tonight. Tyler's going to come up. He's going to lead us in in some songs, but now I just want to finish tonight. Revelations 3, 19 and 20. 3, 19 and 20. It says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Young people, if you're sitting here tonight and you're convicted, guess what? That's because God loves you, because he loves you. He goes on to say, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. You need to know tonight, student, that if you say, you know what, I'm convicted because I've been posing. I've been acting like this follower of Christ. I've been sort of putting on a show for people. I come to church and I smile. But in reality, my life looks like garbage. Jesus says to you, I stand and I knock at the door of your heart and I'm begging you just open the door and I'll come in and I'll remove that heart of stone and I'll give you a heart that feels, a heart that beats for me. And tonight you may be that other, that other student who you would say, wow, (laughs) you mean to tell me that Jesus is standing at the door of my heart? Yes. Yes, he is. And tonight, if you're honest and you're up front with God and you say, I have a heart of stone and I've been rejecting you, pushing myself away from you. God is always just one right choice away from you. One. All you have to do is open the door of your heart and say, Jesus, I've sinned. Give me a new heart for you. And he'll do it.